Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rosiel and I'm the host of the show where I have conversations with Olympic athletes, hopefuls, and legends on their story and path to the games. Today, I do not have an athlete, but I do have an incredible person. His name is Steve Bitter. He's an athlete branding and consultant, athlete branding consultant and freelance digital marketer. There we go. Got that right. Steve spent some time with the USOPC. He spent some time with USA Cycling and in a couple different MLS teams as well. And what Steve is doing now is he's created a course for Olympic athletes to hone social media better. He's made it so that way they can look through the eyes of their sponsors, how to get more sponsors, how to increase their social media and how to be better all around at it. So thank you so much for Steve. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Steve Bitter. All right, today's special guest, we have Steve Bitter. He's an athlete branding consultant and a freelance digital marketer. He had some pretty cool stops previously with the USOPC, USA Cycling, Real Salt Lake, and L, the L, the LA Galaxy, or just LA Galaxy? Uh, I think it's just LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy. Yeah. It, wouldn't be surpri- it wouldn't surprise me if LA wanted it to be the LA Galaxy, but that's, <laughs> yeah. that's another there conversation for another time. But Steve, <laughs> sincerely appreciate your time today, man. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for having me. Appreciate it big time. Happy appreciate it. Yeah, it should be fun. I appreciate what you do and, you know, trying to help the athletes. We're in the same boat, just kind of coming at it from different, uh, you know, we're, we're rowing different oars, I guess you could say, uh, in, in that same boat. So should be pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, did you, you know, just to start off, was it, was, was working with athletes always something that you wanted to do like for most of your life or did this kind of come about a little bit more randomly? Uh, I would say it's developed over time. Um, I knew early on, kind of at the end of uh, being in school, that I wanted to work in sports. Um, I didn't even really know what. My degree is in marketing and PR, so I figured it would probably, hopefully, be in that, you know, that that industry related. Um, But it wasn't really until recently that I had the idea to work directly uh, with athletes, Mm -hmm. or at least try to do so. My idea um, for the last 10, 15 years has always been to just to work within the sports industry, whether it's on staff or at a league, at a league office, team office. Um, but yeah, I'd say directly with athletes has been probably something a little more recent in the last two to three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really interesting. And again, just kind of looking over, you know, what you've done and how you've gotten to where you've gotten to I, I can kind of understand how you made it that far, which I'm, I'm really interested in, in diving into. So as I said before, you had a couple, you know, very, very in the beginning, uh, you know, of your, your career, you know, right in or out of school, you, you um, had a couple internships with the LA Galaxy and Real Salt Lake, the, the soccer clubs here in the United States. And this was about 15 years ago. So the MLS was around, but it wasn't, I mean, the MLS is pretty big now. You know, they're, they're starting to sign, you know, six, you know, six figure million dollar deals. What's that? Nine figure deals. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Trying to do a little bit of math in my know. head. Um, <laughs> you know, so they're, they're signing some pretty big deals now, but back then it was I assume a little bit more bootstrapped and a little bit more startup if, if I, if I can. So I guess, tell us about, I guess, how you got those gigs um, and really, you know, what you were doing when you were there. Yeah. So I got those gigs. I was, uh, I needed a, a college internship in PR and marketing of some sort communications. And I had a, a, a friend who had a connection that at the, at the time worked at um, the home. It was then the home Depot center. And they passed my resume along to the people at the Galaxy, got a phone call and got interviewed. And I was hired on as a media relations uh, intern. And this was during the entirety of the, of the 2005 season. And so basically it was just media relations um, uh, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. I, I managed the, the press box every game, setting it up, t- taking it down, 
uh, all the game notes. Um, every day there after uh, player training, if anyone from you know local KCAL Nine News, Fox Fox News Los Angeles, uh, ESPN, like if anyone wanted an interview with the athletes, they'd have to come to talk to the, the comm staff first, and then we would go to that player and be like, hey, you know, KCAL wants to talk to you. Like, oh yeah, send them over. Um, whether it was a newspaper newspaper reporter, um, you know, or, or a actual uh, broadcast mm-hmm. crew. Um, was David Beckham there at this time? He was not. That was that ah. was that was pre David Beckham. Okay. Um, oh, pre David Beckham. Okay. Yeah, it's pre David Beckham. This was 05. So, but that year, Real Madrid came and played a, a friendly mm-hmm. that summer, and that that was. I mean, that if you're a soccer fan, that was like the most loaded roster. That was like Figo, or it was like Figo. It was Beckham. It was. Ronaldo, it was Raul. It, I mean, it, it was like mm-hmm. a loaded, loaded roster. And um, so I was able to work uh, a friendly game between the Galaxy and Real Madrid. Did some Gold Cup games, which is the, the, um, the tournament here, here in the States. And uh, just did media relations responsibilities that year. And like you said, like it, it was a different league back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the highest we had, I say we, we had the highest paid player in Landon Donovan making mm-hmm. uh, $1 million a year. Um, now that's like for the designated player, it's, it's pretty average. I mean, that's probably mm-hmm. on the low end to be quite honest. Um, I haven't looked at the, at the salaries of, of major league soccer lately, but, but, but for that time, that was, yeah. I mean, that was, that was breaking the bank. I mean, that was breaking the bank and, even the structure of the league was, was a bit different. You know, one owner may have owned like multiple teams, you know, like the Kraft family, the same Kraft family that owns the Patriots. There was the, um, you know, the same ownership that owned the galaxy owned, owned other MLS teams. And so it was, it was structured very differently. Um, but I remember, you know, being around players, you know, half the players there in 05 were on like these like starter contracts making mm-hmm. $16,000. $16, you know, so like they'd like literally play uh, a game against FC Dallas on Saturday night, and then that friendly against Real Madrid Monday night, two two days later, and and, the, and then they'd be back to work at Abercrombie and Fitch on Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. Oh goodness! To like pay for rent, you uh-huh. know. Um, and so that was in the '05 season, and then I. Um, I went, had to go back to school and finish my last semester up in Utah. And a, a buddy of mine was the comms manager of Real Salt Lake. And he was my editor at the day, at the university paper uh, a, a year or two before that. And so I, I just texted him. I was like, Hey, can I, you know, he, he knew I was at the, at the galaxy. So I said, Hey, can I come, can I come be your intern uh, for, for the 06 season? He's like, yeah, sure. So I pretty much just kind of <laughs> like, created my own internship mm-hmm. in 06 did the same exact thing media mm-hmm. relations taking out down the press box setting it back up um handling player interviews if there were spanish i speak spanish so if there were play interviews that needed to be done in spanish i would translate um those for reporters um, back and forth between players um, that's pretty cool man I, I only spent the first like the first half of the season um because i graduated mm-hmm. so i only spent until about may um with Real Salt Lake. And then from there, we moved, my, my wife and I, we moved to Arizona and uh, spent some time kind of outside the, the sport industry. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of when the digital boom hit, right? Like social media hit, came on Facebook, Twitter, um, and just this, this digital boom. And so that's kind of where I got my start learning what I, taking what I learned from 
you know, in the university, mm-hmm. um, learning kind of like what I, what I deem now is like the traditional form of comms and media and like translating it into like digital and social and online and Google and all that. So what um, was that? Did you plan on leaving the sports industry? Was that just the first job that came no. to you? Did you try and shoot for a couple jobs and just didn't land anything? And you kind of just got stuck. How, like how did that, how did that happen? Yeah. So for the sports industry, the sports industry, I mean, it, it's obviously a very coveted industry. Um, I mean, it, it, it's exciting. It's dynamic. There's it's, it's big name. You're deal, you know, it's, it's fun to say, yeah, I work for the galaxy or I work for Real Salt Lake or I work for the U S Olympic committee. Like when you say that people, like they, they perk mm-hmm. up, you know, so it's fun. And so it's in high demand. And so once you get your foot in the door, um, I mean, the, the hardest thing is getting your foot in the door, mm-hmm. right? Once you're there, it's easier to stay there. And when I graduated, um, it, it, I remember my job situation was a little bit in flux because that friend who I knew at Real Salt Lake left Real Salt Lake. And so it created an opening. And I actually tried to mm-hmm. um, communicate with, with him and with his boss and see if I could like apply and, and um, get interviewed to take over his position. And that that didn't work out. And, you know, I'm in Utah at the time and there's not very many sports uh, teams in Utah. Um, I had no connections with the jazz and there was some opportunity for us to go live near family uh, in Arizona. So like, we just, we just went and actually when I got to Arizona, I mean, again, I, I um, cold, cold emailed, cold connected with um, the, the VPs of the different sports teams in, in Phoenix, right? The Coyotes, the Cardinals, the Suns, and Diamondbacks. And I just cold emailed people and was like, hey, I just got done doing a year of internship in Major League Soccer. I would love to come internship with you guys and, you know, and just kind of hope that that turned into something and, and none of it ever did. Like it, it I never, I think mm-hmm. I got one, one or two emails back saying, hey, sorry, we're not really, you know, doing that right now, but good luck. Um, was actually able to find my way onto the Arizona Rattlers staff, uh, which is the arena football team, like the indoor football team. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and, and that, that was also a cold email just sent it. And the guy was like, yeah, come on. Like, I'll you know, I'll, I'll use you for game days. And I think I wrote a couple articles for their website, but mostly would just focus on, cause it was a, it's like an hour drive from where I was mm-hmm. living up to the stadium. Um, so I kind of focused on game days, again, set up this press room, take it down. Um, if I had to handle any media, um, player interviews and whatnot. And then, and then, uh, that, that kind of fizzled out and then I needed a job. So <laughs> I ended up getting more, uh, traditional, uh, uh, more, I guess, traditional roles in more traditional industries until I was able to come here to Colorado and kind of get back into the, yeah. into the sports industry. And, and you, it was a little while, just again, looking at your profile, you were, you were in, you were out of sports for a, um, a couple of few years, if I'm not mistaken, you know, three, three, four, five, however many it was. Yeah. And was your goal the whole time to eventually get back in, like take all, as you said, it was the digital boom. It was the social boom. So you were really learning a lot. Um, I'm sure, you know, in it, you're just like, let's just keep going. Whatever is working. We need to pay for food. Right. And rent. Right. Um, yeah. But at, at some point, did you kind of start to get that itch back and be like, hey, if I can do it here, like, why can't I do it in sports too? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of like everything you just said. Like the priority for me was always to like pay the bills, right? Because, you know, we got 
we got married uh, in 06, my wife and I, and then we moved to Arizona and we had our first kid in 08 and then our, our next kid in, in 2010. And at that point, it's like, I wasn't in sports. And so sports, obviously, it really wasn't the, the priority. It was just, mm -hmm. how, how, do I, <laughs> how yeah. do I make a living? How do I pay bills? <laughs> you know, and uh, was working, funny story, I was working at a pest control company um, for a number of years there. And that's kind of where I, I say, like, I cut my teeth on all of, like, the digital, learned mm -hmm. all, of, like, paid advertising and Google and content, SEO and all this other, all this other stuff. And uh, worked at some agencies in-house there. And then had always kept, I mean, I, I'm a sports guy. So I always kept my eye on, mm -hmm. on um, opportunities in sports, right? But the thing about it, the thing about opportunities in sports is, there's only so many opportunities in one given city, even if a city has all four major sports mm -hmm. and even a couple like uh, of the minor sports, there's only so many opportunities in that city. Right. So if you, if you're really serious, then you kind of have to be willing to like pick up and move to Seattle, pick mm -hmm. up and move to New York, pick up and move to Minnesota, pick up and move to Tampa, you know, like you, you kind of have to be able to willing to do that because there may not be opportunities in your city, the mm -hmm. opportunity may be halfway across the country. And so um, there's always opportunities like, uh, like there's, you know, if, if it was one of the four major sports, m my wife and I, like, we always knew, okay, if I get a good offer, like I'm, I'm going to take it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to turn down an opportunity to go work for an NBA team or, or an, or an NHL team or have a, a, a you know, a good role, like a major league soccer team. And, and, uh, and I don't even, I don't have much recollection, but I just remember looking at um, inside the Olympic family, which primarily is based here in Colorado Springs, which, mm -hmm. is, where, which is where I am now. And, and again, like there's only so many of these uh, national governing bodies, what we call them. And if for each governing body, there's only so many opportunities in it, right? Because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not a financial person. I'm not yep. a, you know, I, I only do comms and marketing. So that you know, that staff may only have one, one comms and marketing person or two or three. And so, um, and so I saw an opening at USA cycling. This was, uh, near the middle of probably summer of 2014. Saw saw an opening there and, and I'm a, I'm a pretty big cyclist, uh, recreational cyclist myself. And so it, I was like, Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll love to go to, you know, it was, the role was for a digital and social media manager. And, uh, I didn't know any, I didn't know anybody in the Olympic mm -hmm. space. <laughs> I didn't know anybody. Didn't I had never stepped foot here in Colorado. And uh, the interview process actually was quite lengthy. It just, you know, tr trying to get a call back. Mm -hmm. And then the interview was like a month away. And then the next interview was a month away. And then um, it kind of dragged on, but um, was offered that position and came here in November, almost December of 2014. I've been here, been here ever since. Mm -hmm. uh, was with USA Cycling all of the calendar year of 2015. Which, which, if you're a cyclist, is is, is a notable year because we ha we I say we the U.S. hosted uh, World Championships, okay, um, in Richmond, Virginia, which is mm -hmm. a huge, huge, huge deal. It only it primarily is only ever hosted in Europe, and once every so many years they they host it outside of uh, the the European nations. And it was it was that year, and and Richmond, Virginia won that bid, and so it was a big deal to get all these world class like world class mm -hmm. cyclists. Um, you know, racing around the streets of, streets of Virginia for a week. So that is pretty um, cool. And then uh, from there, just to keep going on, on the timeline here, 
uh, stepped away from there, was doing my own digital marketing. Were you, were you with USA Cycling during the Olympics in 2016? I was not. I was no, not. Okay. So, I, so I left USA Cycling at the end of 2015. I um, was only there for about a year. In fact, it was like exactly a year. Um, so how did your wife feel about you moving the family to Colorado Springs and after a year, and I, we don't have to get into the details yeah. of, you know, those fights exactly. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, but like, so why were you only there for a year? I guess, was it just not the right fit? Not the fit you expected? Was there something better on the other side? Like, uh, cause again, you know, uprooting your family, I'm sure you had very good reason and very good cause and everything's fine. Cause you guys are still there. Right. But out of curiosity, like only being there for a year, how, what, what was going on there? If you don't mind. Yeah. So I, I will say that in the sports industry kind of to like book it or kind mm-hmm. of follow up with what I was saying yep. about like just the dynamics of working in the sports yep. world. If you're thinking about working in the sports world, working in sports is very uh, unsecured. It, it's not a secure place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and people think that like, Oh, you must work for this company. You must work for that team or that league. You must get paid. You know, you must make a good living. Ah, oh, not really. Like you'd be surprised at mm-hmm. at the salary that that some staff members of like NBA teams make. They're not they're not as high as you think. And just job stability is it's it's just not as secure as going and working for some age old firm or some you know established company that's been there you know, forever you think it is, but it's not. And especially in the Olympic world, stuff is not guaranteed mm-hmm. at, at all. I mean, it could depend on, you know, this title sponsor didn't renew and they just told us. And so two months later, Hey, we're cutting staff. Yeah, like, exactly. We just it, lost a hundred thousand dollars. Sorry yeah, guys. You know, yeah. we just, we just lost a, a three-year contract or this, you know, that automaker that, you know, you know, whatever dealer they didn't, uh, they didn't renew. And so, Truth be told, my my role at USA Cycling was dissolved, which uh, which I don't know. It's kind of like okay, like it All happened. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, what are you gonna do? Like crying about it's not gonna bring it back. So might as well just move on. And and truth be told, I, I was thinking about going into consulting, mm-hmm. you know, digital marketing consulting, trying to handle my own clients. And then when that happened, they actually so USA Cycling they actually. Um, they dissolved four roles oh, all wow. at the same, same time. And all four of us were notified uh, on, on the same day. And so these were friends that, you know, people I had traveled with, worked events with, um, you know, some still to this day, great, great, great friends of mine. Um, and I still know a lot of people back in that office. I have, have had lunch recently with people who are still mm-hmm. uh, working there. And I keep in regular contact with people who are still working there. Um, but I was thinking about going into digital marketing. And so I thought, so when, when I got the news, hey, we're dissolving your role. It kind of worked out. I yeah. was like, well, I guess I'm a digital marketer. Now. I yeah, guess I'm a right. You, you didn't even have to, to worry <laughs> like, about the decision. It was made for yeah, you, which is kind of like, nice. Well, I was like, oh, well, that's my big job. So I, I did that for about a year and a half or so. And then uh, while I was still handling one or two clients, I um, had always kept my eye on jobs here in town, mm-hmm. mostly within the, within the Olympic movement, just because yeah. – yeah, same thing. Once you get your foot in the door, it's it's easier to stay there, right? And I had some pretty good connections here in in town. How many NGBs are actually? Because I'm I know a few NGBs. Uh, you know, I'm here in New Jersey, U.S. Rowing. I worked for them for about seven eight months. They were awesome. Um, 
you know, they're, they're located right here in New Jersey. I had no idea until someone was like, hey, you know, and I was like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> hey, how many NGBs are actually located in Colorado Springs? Like, headquartered? Uh, I, I should know this, shamefully. I don't. I mean, it's. I, I want to say there's like, there's like 50 or so NGBs. Yeah. I want to say about, I want to say about 30 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know a few are located down in Salt Lake City or yeah. right around it, Park City yeah. as well. Um, I know, uh, you know, there's a training center out in Chula Vista. A couple of them are based up in Lake Placid, um, but I know most are are based in yeah most Salt, uh, most are here i'd Colorado say about, about 30 or so which is mm-hmm. a little more than half are here the others are located where you would logically think they should be mm-hmm. right yeah. like, like like u.s equestrian is in like kentucky kentucky guess, yeah or like louisville or somewhere you know yep. um i want to say like beach volleyball and surfing is in like huntington mm-hmm. yeah you know uh the you know so yeah there's there's some ngbs that are there's no other central point other than other than mm-hmm. this town other than Colorado mm-hmm. Springs are all kind of um you know USA soccer is in Chicago USA track and field is in uh Indianapolis um some of the yes the the snow ones are all up in Salt Lake mm-hmm. uh, speed skating is out in Kearns at the at the at the, at the mm-hmm. speed skating oval yeah yeah out yeah. there so yeah they're they're just kind of but there's a bunch still located there. But even with yeah. that, again, even if you think about it, you know, there's 30 professional teams, quote unquote, we'll say, but still not that many jobs, right? That, that's that's yeah. the point I was trying to make is even yeah. if there are 30 located there, yeah. that means there was probably only 30 to 50 of you before. And now if they're starting to get dissolved in other places, you know, it, there's only so many jobs to still go yeah. around. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, whereas... Uh, you know, like NBA teams or like, if you look at like the span of NBA teams, right. From like the biggest money makers to like the lesser money makers, mm-hmm. like, the, like a smaller market team. I mean, they're still making a lot of money, right. Yeah. Uh, major league soccer. They're all kind of like within like, like relatively close to each other. You would say in NGB life, like in this, in this Olympic movement, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have your top tier NGBs, you have your swimming, your track and field, ones that really have, they have great sponsors, Phillips 66, Nike, um, USA soccer, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then you have others that are just like bootstrapping, like yep. hard, Scraping like real by. hard. And yep. they, they might have a staff of like eight people, you know, and, and, and there's offices around town. If you, if you drive around town, there's offices where like six MGBs may share the same like building, mm-hmm. you know, and they like divide up the, <laughs> they, they like divide up the hallways and, and whatnot and some ngbs are actually still kind of operated through the olympic and paralympic committee mm-hmm. um i mean their websites are run through there and so yeah, yeah, it, yeah. there's there's it's yeah like you just said there's there may be 30 organizations here but it the the job market dynamic mm-hmm. is it's it, it's just really unique it's mm-hmm. very very unique so you did some independent consulting as you said for a little while a little over a year it sounds like if not longer um and then as you said you kept your eye open when when did the spot with the usopc kind of open up and when were you able to kind of go in and and strut yourself a little bit so that was uh the beginning of middle middle to beginning of 2017 uh it's kind of a funny story so i i had applied to this position at the at at then the usoc the u.s olympic committee and uh, I, I honestly, it, the job, and I laugh, I've laughed since with, with the HR people that, that I've gotten to know, that job description was really ambiguous. Like, I didn't even know what it meant. Awesome. Like, I just, there you go. 
like half of it, I was like, oh, I, I, I could do that. And the other half was like, I have no idea what that is, but I know I can do the other half. So uh-huh. like, there's nothing that disqualifies me. So I'm just going to go ahead and apply. And uh, what's funny is I, so I was a digital and social media manager at cycling. Mm-hmm. And at the time there was a social media manager position open at the USOC. So I, I had applied to both those positions. This one, it was like, it was a something coordinator. And I was like, whatever, I'll just apply to that. And then I like really took my time to apply well for the social media manager position. And when the recruiter called me, called me, you know, several, it's like several weeks later, mm-hmm. she was like, Hey, I want to talk to you about the, the whatever coordinator position. And I, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like I, for, I literally forgot uh-huh. that I had applied to that position. And I pretended that I, I joke with her since I pretended that like, I didn't hear, I was like, wait, mm-hmm. sorry. What? My which job out. was that yeah, well, social that was, media no like, oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i remember i did that one too yeah she was like yeah it's the the usopa coordinator position you applied for and i was like oh yeah totally. sure yeah and i was and i even then i was like i have no clue what you're talking uh-huh. about and so she's like hey we want to bring you in is this, this was like a friday and she's like we want to bring you in uh, can you be here monday at nine like 9 a.m first thing and i was like yeah sure she's like all right here's the address i you know click i literally went back to my email to my sent box and had to go look for what position I, I mean, but I had no That's idea what awesome. I was, I had no idea what I was agreeing to. And like, there enough, sure enough, I was like, Oh yeah, there it is. Like I told, I totally applied for that. And I remember like, yeah, this is the one that I have no clue what this mm-hmm. is. So I got there Monday morning was, uh, I scored up to a room with, uh, I don't know, five or six people in it. And my, my boss or the lady who would become my boss, she's like, all right, Steve, I, I you know, I, I wanted to make sure that you understand what this job is before we really get going on the, on the interview. So, you know, she explained like, we're the alumni department. We treat team USA like a university treats their alumni, right? We do um, anniversaries. We do reunions. We do events. We help coordinate um, athletes with, you know, high dollar donor uh, events, um, you know, and we want we're wanting to create, a the first ever team usa social network so we need someone who has worked with athletes we need someone who has some some digital marketing experience and uh and you know and she's like my only rule is we make olympians happy that that's my only rule and like when she was saying that i was like oh my gosh i have to have this job Mm -hmm. like i was i like almost jumped out of my seat sitting there in the interview room and i was like i i have to have this job and I did well in the interview, I guess they offered me the job. And so I was hired primarily to design and launch, um, excuse me, the first ever uh, social network. It was an internal social network for Team Mm -hmm. USA. And so it was kind of like, say like a Facebook, right? It was a platform completely privatized, um, completely uh, created from the ground up. There was a third party vendor that we had contracted with to, to kind of build on their platform and we locked down registration so you couldn't get in unless it was an email with an email Mm -hmm. that that we uh, preloaded and so uh, they could go on create a profile select their interests uh, pictures videos they can connect um, create friends and groups and and you could search that database you can search users by games year or sport or a combination of of those three and uh, so I was just kind of the, I launched that and then remained as the, well, what I would say is like the community manager for it. And then really any other alumni related tasks, um, 
that my boss would send me with. It might have been it might have included travel to events, New York City, Salt Lake, um, you know, support on just any internal projects that mm-hmm. that they needed our our Olympians with. So it was it was interesting because it was completely internal. You know, I'm used to digital marketing where there's exactly. an ROI, yeah. there's a you know, what, what's this this month as opposed to last month? What, what's the spend? What's the return? What, what's the click, you know, what's all this stuff? Whereas, you know, my boss up front says, we only make Olympians happy. That, that's all I care about. That's pretty awesome. And man. so it was, it was kind of nice. It was relaxing. And from that standpoint, I mean, it was still a job, right? Yeah, I, tell pe- I tell people, look, I still have a job. <laughs> it's still stressful. I still have a boss. That boss has a boss. Um, you know, I, I still have to like justify what I'm doing and, and, uh, and work hard but but it was just a nice change of focus that like we're here to we're here to serve our olympians right and it may have been helping one chapter uh, you know increase their participation or it may have been helping them with an event um or it may have been an uh an olympian calls me and says hey steve um you know some of the most random stuff is like hey steve i um you know, the, the scarf they gave us for opening ceremonies in Rio, I, I like lost it and it, it's really sentimental. Can you, do you know if you have any more of those? And I'm like, well, I don't know. So I go talk to games operations mm-hmm. and I'm like, Hey, do we have any of those? I'm like, yeah, we have a couple in the basement. So get my hands on one of the, the Rio uh, opening ceremony scarves and mail it out to the Olympian. Right. Like, there you go. It's like, like whatever they ask for, like we get, or we mm-hmm. do. Um, so, and then again, like I, like I said a few minutes ago, life in the NGB in the Olympic movement is, it is changing. It, mm-hmm. it is, it is, uh, it, it could be turned upside down real fast and was notified at the end of October, what, six, mm-hmm. five, six months ago that that role was being, was being dissolved, mm-hmm. uh, was being discontinued, uh, as well. And I could kind of see I, on that one, I could see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, USA Cycling was honestly was a surprise, but with this one, that, that, to me, the writing was starting to to get pretty dark up on the mm-hmm. wall. So um, I do want to talk about some of the good stuff that happened during that time, though, because it sounds that that just sounds like such an interesting role. I mean, again, where you're coming from, so you're coming from social media manager position at USA Cycling, then you're doing some independent consulting on the digital and social side for you know local small businesses or you know medium sized businesses, whatever exactly it is, and you're working with these brands, these businesses, helping with them, and then you come here, as you said, and you're like all I have to do is make people happy. Like, that's awesome. Let's go. Like, what can we do? I have to have this job. Those are your words. So with, you know, with that role, like how, how did you go about creating this platform? How did you go about making sure people were understanding why it was there and wanting to engage with it? Like, give me some more of the ins and outs because I've never heard of somebody building a social media platform before, especially one whose user base is incredible. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, it was, so it was a, a, like I said, it was a third party vendor um, that was already building um, similar platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they build them for universities and colleges Okay, for, okay. for the same purpose, just yeah. to, um, for their athletic departments. And so they might go to university of, I don't know, whoever, Wisconsin, University of Colorado, whoever it is, um, and build the same platform that their athletes, that their student athletes could, could register on in that way. Uh, be connected to everyone who's ever competed for that university. And so they took that platform and just kind of converted it into Mm -hmm. an Olympic like version of it and a neighboring department within our building in the Olympic committee um, 
they do uh, current education services. They okay. ha- they had already they had already launched their own on that same platform, um, and so that was where the relationship came in um, through that team, that company, that vendor started to have a conversation with with my boss before I before I was ever hired. Um, had a conversation with my boss, and my boss um, secured the funding to go ahead and build that like a, an alumni mm-hmm. version yeah. of it, and so. Um, it wasn't like, I, it wasn't for me, it wasn't like from scratch, you know, it was, um, I had complete creative direction. Exactly. Yeah. Complete, you know, I, I, I determined the colors. I, I proofed all of the, the mock-ups. I supplied all the imagery. Um, I, I pretty much had my wish list. Like, in fact, my very first week on the job, like I started on a Monday and it was like Wednesday or Thursday that reps from that vendor flew out and I had like, like a full day meeting mm-hmm. and it was basically, I, I was on the job for like three days and I basically supplied them with my wish list, right? Like what, what it is I want this network to do. Um, what kind of capabilities I, I want? What are the features I want? What's the look and feel that I want? Like I, I had like three days to pretty much come up into my mind, you know, come up into my mind and put it out on paper before they got to the office. Like what, how do I envision all this? And, uh, and so it, it was more from that standpoint, just complete creative control. And then from well, that, what, what was your vision for it? My, my vision for it, like my intrinsic, like philosophical core that I wanted that to be was I wanted it to be a way for, um, for Olympians of certain sports or certain games to be able to socialize and get to know and to connect with unrelated Olympians because the swimmers know the swimmers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what, what era you're from, right? The, the swimmers from the eighties and nineties know the swimmers from today. Like they know them personally, they're friends, right? The cyclists know the cyclists, the track and field athletes are the track and field athletes. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to cross those gaps where uh, a current cyclist could form a relationship with a volleyball player, you know, um, or a archery shooter Mm -hmm. or, uh, or, uh, or, uh, a wrestler, you know, because there's, you know, five, nearly 6,000 members of team USA spread out across the country, like primarily across the country. I mean, there's some living abroad, um, but, and it's all, I found it very interesting, very fast that, that, um, you know, a lot of them just don't know who's living right next to them, who's mm-hmm. living like literally down the street or five minutes away, you know? And so I wanted to create this community where it encouraged them to associate with other Olympians that were not of their sport or maybe not of their games. Um, because Team USA, it's, 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 it's a very close knit club. Like it's very close to mm-hmm. and, and for, for my alumni relations team, I, I try to like, I would try to time and time again, explain this to people for my alumni relations team. And I, I'd have to like say this very nicely to some uh-huh, people uh-huh. is like, we all like for our purposes, <laughs> we only cared about Olympians or Paralympians like, and, and like, that was the hard line right? Um, If you were a member of of Team USA and you competed at Pan Am Games 
or if you were on the last three world championship rosters, that's great and all. But if you were not an Olympian mm-hmm. or a Paralympian, you are not in our database, right? You did not get emails from me. You were not invited to reunions. You were mm-hmm. not invited to anniversaries. Um, you were just not in our database. We are my team of three. I was one of the three of my boss and then my, me and my coworker. Um, we, we only like cared and, and you know, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but we only cared about I, Olympians. Olympians yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, you have to draw yeah. a line somewhere, right? If right. you put that line all the way to anyone that was associated with any of the NGBs, right. yeah. that list gets gigantic very yeah. and, quickly. And, and I will say, yeah, and even our definition was a little bit loose. I mean, there, you know, because, and this is just kind of to go off on a quick tangent, like we included summer games athletes from the 1980 team, which did okay. not yep. compete because mm-hmm. of the boycott. Um, you know, we included coaches on our, on our, da- on, mm. our, on our comms database, whereas the IOC does not recognize a coach as an Olympian. And, you know, in their definition, they're not. Um, the, there, there's different, there's different groups of people, small, smaller groups of people mm-hmm. that we actually did include in our database. That the IOC would literally not. And in, in, in some sports, I don't know if you know this, in some sports, the IOC, unless you enter the field of play, you could be sitting on the bench, mm-hmm warmed up in a, in a, in a, in a uniform, right? If you don't enter the field of play ever during that games, you are not an Olympian mm-hmm. where, you know, we can, we included everyone yeah, who yeah, yeah. was processed and dressed and, you know, made the team. Um, but my boss, my boss uh, is, is an Olympian. My old boss is an Olympian. She was a team handball player uh, through the eighties and early nineties. And she has teammates that, according to the IOC are not Olympians, but for our database, for our purposes, mm. they are. Yeah. Um, so we, we include them in. in I know that happens with like track and field a lot. If you're part of a yep. relay and there's six men or women, a part of that relay and mm-hmm. you don't actually touch the track during the games, mm-hmm. you don't get a medal. <laughs> like it's, yep. it's pretty uh, kind of ridiculous in my opinion, but I mean, again, you have to draw a line somewhere. I feel like the line could be pushed back in that case as yeah. you guys did. Um, but Hey, that's not my, nothing i can do about it yeah i just say i just follow the rules here (laughs) and so so you're creating this database specifically for olympians to connect with one another not within their sport how like so that was your that's what you wanted to do with it but how do you actually go about getting that done like how how does how do you make sure that they are engaging like how as as the community manager how do you make sure that that's happening and they're not just kind of doing what normal normally happens which is you know you're going to talk to your friends you're going to talk to the people you know already right yeah uh you know i'd say as any uh community manager community manager would uh agree with me it's it's a lot of push and pull Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a lot of pull and tug um you know it's it's a lot it's just a lot of communications you know we sent out emails uh you know early on early and often uh when we first launched you know, obviously there's like a spike of registration mm-hmm. in that, in that first little bit, but it, after that, it's, you know, it, you know, a, after a little bit, the, it's the same people opening their emails, you know? And so it's a lot of word of mouth. If I ever saw an Olympian, if I, if one was ever in town um, and I took them to lunch or I sat next to them at the dining hall over here at the training center, or if I was at an event, um, I hundred percent, I would always, uh, I would always uh, ensure that I had mentioned, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, and I, I even actually r- started to write it on the back of my business card. So I would, I would give, uh, I would, I would, if I ever saw an athlete, I would give them my business card and, you know, I would have given them my business card anyways. 
but I always made sure, hey, yeah. on the back is our is the address that is the web address of our of our uh, social network. You can sign on. Like, oh, okay, yeah. So, um, it it's just a lot of word of mouth. And again, there's only, um, you know, there's only, you know, five six thousand Olympians and Paralympians, and of those, um, you know, they may not all like we may not even have their most current email yeah. address, mm-hmm. you know? And so some of it, it was just hard to, it, it's hard to communicate it to everyone all at the same time correctly. And so after, after that first initial spike of registration, you just, as a community manager, you just do the best you can mm-hmm. word of mouth, or I might have um, asked some of the, the Olympians that I was more familiar with, Hey, can you mind, do you mind tweeting this out? Do you mind sharing this? Um, you know, or, you know, I, I actually found out that there was some not, not like unsanctioned, but, um, you know, there was like some, uh, you know, Facebook groups that are, that are out there of like Utah mm-hmm. Olympians yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, that they just kind of created themselves. Um, and I said, Hey, can you put that on your, on your guys's, you know, on your sport mm-hmm. Facebook group? And, oh yeah, I'll, I'll put it on there. So it's just a matter of finding ways. And that's kind of like where the digital marketing comes in, right? It's just yep. finding ways, finding ways to, to reach people. It might be word of mouth. It might be an email. It might be, tagging someone and hoping that they put the dots mm-hmm. together and then, and then re, re, reshare it or retweet it or whatever it is. Um, uh, and then also, and then, you know, any good community, like you have to give them a reason to go there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if, if there's nothing there, then, then they're not going to go there. And so I, we tried to fill it with, um, we tried to post uh, like our own original content, um, our own blogs, our own um, sources of information. Um, our alumni group was managed by by an actual uh, executive board uh, okay. that kind of managed the affairs of all the different chapters. There's a Utah chapter, there's a New York chapter, Florida chapter. Um, so we try to communicate any chapter news or any executive board news through that that um, that network. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, it's just providing like unique articles and unique uh, unique resources. And, and we would work, you know, I'd get notifications all, all the time from different departments in the company. Um, Hey, you know, can you share this with your Olympians? And I, and then, you know, we'd say yes, but at that point it's, it's a matter of doing it three or four different ways. It was mm-hmm. posted on the official team USA alumni, like Facebook page. It was sent in like the email that month. It was posted on the social network. I mean, so it, there was like the checklist of, yeah, of things to do in order to like get the message out. Um, so it's just, it's just a lot of, you know, again, just kind of going down those check boxes every time yeah. you need to, need to communicate. It's still a, a really just cool role that you got to have a really like an interesting hand in. And really, again, mm-hmm. you would, with your, with your background, what you've done at, at USA cycling, but then all these other places learning the digital marketing aspect. I just think, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I got to ask a couple questions cause I've never, really talk to anyone uh, other than you at this point that has, yeah. has had a hand. And as I know you said like the, the back end and the code and all that, you didn't really have too much. It doesn't sound like, but what it was for, why you did it and how you did it was all you. So I think it's pretty interesting that, uh, you know, you did get that opportunity. And then, as you said, unfortunately that role did dissolve. Um, not sure if this was kind of the same as last time where I was like, well, I was thinking about doing something else anyway. So it could be worse, but um, you're doing some really cool stuff now. As I said before, athlete branding consultant, freelance digital marketing. Um, How exactly did you, again, was this something you were actually thinking about before the dissolving of your, your former role? Or was this something that you're like, I got, I got to do something. (laughs) 
Yeah. So this, this actually was, was something I was heavily, heavily considering. Okay. Um, I had written, so yeah, just with my background in, in, in sports, media relations, player communications, Mm -hmm. team sports, and then everything I learned from digital marketing, working at a pest control company, working at some in-house agencies in Phoenix, in the Phoenix area. Um, the, the story is, is that when I was at, this is actually born back when I was still at cycling, uh, mm-hmm. believe it or not. I oh, was, okay. This is near the end of my time at cycling. We were having some board meetings that happen every fall, um, almost going into winter when it's mostly everyone's off season. Um, we have these board meetings and, and I was sitting in a board meeting, just listening and, you know, just taking it all in. And after that meeting, an athlete who's a mountain biker comes up to me and he's like, Hey, Steve, I know you run the, uh, I, I, you know, I, I know you do the social. And, and, and I knew him, like I, I had, mm-hmm. I had known yeah. him for almost the entire year. So he, he's, Hey, I, you know, I know you do the social, I know you do the articles on, on usacycling.org. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to like reconnect with my sponsors for next year and approach some new sponsors for the next season. He's like, if I, if I just text you once a month, can you, just send me like a report, just a quick report of all the times that you mentioned me on the social or any of your articles. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll totally do that. And, and I did it, you know, until I wasn't there anymore, mm-hmm. but like the digital marketer boy in me, my mind like exploded. Right. Because I was like, Oh my gosh, they don't know how to do that. And it was like, like I, I thought about like, well, of course they don't know how to do that. They're, they're, yeah athletes Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to know how to like be a digital marketer but that was the biggest light bulb that went off that i was like you know what maybe there's a way to teach these athletes how to like in a sense be their own digital marketer because in the olympic space like in, in olympic sport uh you know most i mean for every for every big dollar olympic athlete out there for your for your Ledeckis and your mm-hmm. Phelpses and your LeBrons. I mean, there's a thousand other athletes that are struggling, yep. that are surviving financially. Um, and I thought, well, okay, I know they don't have agents. I know they can't pay an agency to do this for them. So if there's a way I could like teach it to them, because it's a lot more simple than they probably think. So I basically mm-hmm. what I did is I, and then I, um, that was like the seed, right. For all this. And then about two years later, I actually sat down and wrote a 10 step do it yourself athlete branding curriculum. And basically what I did is I took 10 years of digital marketing, 10 years of, of working in sports teams, um, and I just distilled and boiled it down into the, like the most simple do it yourself, uh, athlete branding steps possible. Right. And it starts from scratch. It starts from like, what is your brand? How do you define yourself? You know, what's your story? Because a lot of athletes, they, they probably know it. And it's probably like up here in their head mm-hmm. somewhere, but they don't know how to like get it out. Exactly. Right? Yeah. They don't know, like, they don't even know what, if, if someone like it's in their head, but if someone said, Hey, you know, what's your brand? What are you about? They would be like, uh, well, uh, I don't know. You know, like, even though it's like all mm-hmm. in their head. So it, it's a matter of starting from scratch. Okay. Let's, let's get you on paper. Okay. Let's, let's get you 
like in the real world first. Let's see what you're about, what your values are, you know, what, what kind of branding you, you have an affinity for, you know, what's your style, what's, you know, what are all these things that are about you? Um, you know, and I, 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 I run them through kind of this gauntlet of questions. It's a questionnaire that I send them. You know, one of the, one of the questions I love to read the answer to is, is I ask them to ask their loved ones, their friends or family, how others perceive them. Right. Mm-hmm. And I say, look, you gotta, you gotta talk to your wife. You gotta talk to your husband. You gotta talk to your mom, your dad, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whoever. Right. You need, you need someone who can be totally brutally honest with you and can objectively tell you how other people probably see you. And that's an important part because, you know, someone who can be honest with you and say, look, you know, I love you, but people tend to see you like this because of these reasons, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it's not all bad. It's just, you just have to understand how the world perceives you. Um, And then fill in the gaps of like what you want to be about, what you want to be remembered for, what are your values? Um, what are some of the things and topics and hobbies that you're interested in, whether it's your sport or whether it's outside of your sport. And once we get that defined on paper, then it's a matter of, uh, you know, what I term is like best practice, social media growth. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, and, and I joke with, I joke with my athletes. I say, look, it, it, unless your name is LeBron James, which I know it's not, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to do this, the same way everyone else does yep. from ground up follower by follower, like by like, you know, um, they may have, they may be sitting on 3,500 followers on Instagram. They may be, they may have plateaued at 25,000 followers on, on Instagram and 50,000 followers on Twitter, you know, but how, how do we grow that? Um, because like you've been sitting there for a while. So how, how do we start to like build that audience? And so what are, it's, and it's the same stuff that I would have used at USA Cycling. It's the same mm-hmm. stuff I would have used for at a pest control company or working in some of the other industries I've worked in. Like, what are the tactics? What are some of the free tools you can use? Totally free. Just give me your email. You come up with a free account. Um, how do you find conversations on Twitter? How do you find conversations to have on Instagram? Because like the heart of what I tell any athlete is that happy sponsors make the world go round, mm-hmm. right? Like sponsors make all of this possible. Like without sponsors, you're just playing in your backyard. Yep. Right? Exactly. And so, and so that's kind of where that conversation I had with that mountain biker, that's where it all like, it went off in my mind. It was like, they need to, they need to see the world through their sponsor's eyes right? Whether it's the, that director of marketing, whether it's that VP or whether it's the, that brand owner who's doing it kind of himself, they need to understand what it is the sponsor's getting from them. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I think unknowingly was testing at USA Cycling because, you know, USA Cycling has the, their roster of, of corporate and team sponsors. Mm-hmm. And so, we'd you know, I would get asked, hey, you know, th- these guys were hoping to get a a social post out this week. I was like, okay, cool. And, and instead of just going to an athlete and saying, Hey, can you post, can you post for this brand? Can you post for these guys and tag them? Like I would always think, okay, how, how can I get this athlete to deliver value to that sponsor? Right. And that's kind of the heart of where I've taken this curriculum is like, don't, don't just 
don't just tag that brand, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I work with, I work with a number of cyclists. I've worked with a number of cyclists. And so the joke I always tell them is like, like, look, I, I, you, you take a selfie of you on your bike with your Oakleys, right? Your sunglasses. Then you say, you know, love riding in my Oakleys, or you don't even, you don't, you don't even mention the Oakleys. All, but all you do is tag them on the post. Right. And you think, you think you've done your job mm-hmm. as a sponsored athlete. And I say, look, you guys drive me bonkers because you tagging Oakley or you tagging your helmet company or your bike company or whatever it is, you simply tagging them. Or even if you say, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, I love this, you know, whatever that teaches your followers. Absolutely nothing about Mm -hmm. that helmet. It teaches them nothing about those glasses. And so I always try to tell them you have, you have to kind of take on the like product uh, for your sponsor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Take, you have to take it upon yourself to teach your, teach your followers something valuable about that sponsor or about that product. And so, you know, my example that I say to my cyclists is, is look, if you want to take a picture of yourself in Oakley's, that's fine. The least you can do is go to oakley.com, find, find the actual lenses that you're writing. Cause you know, Oakley has like, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, many yeah, different yeah, lenses yeah. go to the description page for that lens Co- at least you can do is copy and paste <laughs> the description like delete the little bullet points so it resembles yep. like sp- spoken english and say hey love ryan and my oakley's I, you know i love these lenses because and here here check out some of the technical specs you know i tell my athletes don't be afraid to speak geek right mm-hmm. be be technical like don't don't think that you're that you're being too technical for your audience. Like they, they don't mind, like people love to be informed, mm-hmm. right? Very people true. love information. They love knowledge. Even if it's not something they're going to act on in that moment, they want to know like, what are the technical specs of those lenses? Like how, how do those lenses affect you in the sun different than those lenses? You know, why do you choose those lenses in the daylight versus those lenses in, 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 in the shade? Um, so like I'd tell them like you got to really speak to the value of that company, of that product, of that sponsor. Cause other than that, you're just, you're just tagging them, you know? And, and I, I, I try to make them see that there's more metrics to, to go after than just likes, right? Mm. Because a lot of them will just, you know, the, like I said, they'll just tag Oakley. They'll just tag their sponsor. And then whether they do it or that brand does it, at the end of the year, they'll say, okay, you know, that person, that girl gave us, uh, you know, 45,000 likes Mm -hmm. on the post that we were tagged on. Okay. Well that, that doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I say, that's not the only metric that you can think about. Maybe it's, maybe that company has a YouTube page, right? And maybe there's a a recent uh, video upload that you can push views to, right? And so, Hey, if you want to learn more, go check out these guys' YouTube page. There's a great, a great new video about, you know, ABC, XYZ, mm-hmm. you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, push YouTube views, right? Maybe it's, maybe that company has like a free download, a free white paper download, a free PDF download, or a free guide, or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe they have a free download somewhere on their page and, and you can use your audience, you can use your 40,000 Instagram followers and point them to, hey, go check out this new download. It's super cool. You can do this. You can fill this out. And Hey, this is, it, it tells you the best ways to do that, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they might see a spike 
on a random Thursday afternoon of a download that they posted a year ago, right? And so I tell them, then you wait a few days for that spike to go down and then you, you contact them back and say, hey, I'm trying to push people to that download. Uh, is it possible for me just to get the numbers, uh, like the website visits that day, you know? And mm -hmm. it's how do, you build a how do you build a self portfolio for the things that you're doing? Um, you know, it could be, like I said, it could be a download. It could be YouTube mm -hmm. videos. It could, it could be website visits. Yep. Right. Um, and I tell people, I tell them all the time, like, you know, if they're paying you in product or if they're paying, they're paying you a couple hundred bucks. Right. If they it, like, you know, cause I've, I've done like marketing budgeting, right. Mm -hmm. As a, as a director of marketing, if I could say, okay, I'm going to pay $500 and I'm going to get 300 people to my website. I'd be like pass hard pass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But if I could pay $500 and get like 3,500 new visits to my website, yep. I'd probably be like, sign me up. Mm -hmm. Cause that, that's money well spent, you know? And if you have 90,000 followers on one platform and 70,000 followers on the other platform, you know, and you, and for, for whatever little they've given you, if you can say, you know, if you can prove that you've, you know, given them 5,000 brand new visitors to their website that month, that's, that's serious stuff. Mm -hmm. That's real serious stuff. And it may not, it may not, it may or may not change the conversation with that brand at that moment, but you add that to your portfolio and that's some serious bargaining power at the end of the year mm -hmm. when sponsorship talks reopen or when you have conversations with new sponsors that you've never had deals with you say, look, I, I, I can get you 5,000 views a month to your website. I can get you 250 extra views to a YouTube video. I can, you know, or I can get you 10,000 views to a YouTube mm -hmm. video. I mean, it's teaching an athlete how to think in the minds of their sponsors, because once you understand what it is they want, then it, it's a whole lot easier to, to do the things that, that you need to do to deliver. And like I said, the heart of it is, is that, happy sponsors make it all possible. Absolutely. You know, so you may have, you may have team sponsors. You may like, if you compete for team, that team has sponsors, right? Or if you compete for your NGB, that NGB has sponsors. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a little bit of finesse dealing because, you know, your team might be, uh, your team might be sponsored by, by rock tape and your NGB is sponsored by KT tape. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a little bit of finesse there. Um, but, you know, given, given that dynamic and that mm. relationship, how can you provide, you know, value? Absolutely. How, how can you use those existing relationships? Maybe you have relationships with the sponsors because you, because you have connections with your NGB or because you, you compete for that team. How can you use those existing relationships and use that to build a portfolio for yourself? And that way, at the end of the year or during, you know, when it's a good time to have sponsorship conversations, you can have conversations with companies who aren't competitors to those companies who aren't going to compete. There's not going to be like a conflict of interest, mm -hmm. but you can go to something, um, you know, regional or something local and say, Hey, you know, here's what I can do. Um, you know, here's what I'm able to provide to, to companies that I work with, you know, and, and I tell people, look, like, um, this is not about, you know, I say, look, you 
Pepsi's not going to come crashing through your door. <laughs> Why not? Right? Like, like, I mean, we would, we would love that. I would say, I tell them all the time, I would love Pepsi. I would love, you know, these big mm-hmm. fortune 500, 250 brands to come, you know, ringing your phone or whatever. But like, let, let's be honest. It's probably not going to happen. Okay. Let's just be, let's just try to be a little objective, a little honest here. So if it's not Pepsi, then maybe there's an opportunity with some local brands. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's something regional. Maybe if you're in the Denver, if you're in the Salt Lake area, maybe there's an opportunity with the, like the Larry H Miller car dealership network, right. That has dealerships in only like certain cities. Right. Um, so what other brands can you identify with? You know, now that we've gotten you on paper, what are, what are some of the brands and opportunities that you can identify with locally or regionally um, that you might be able to have a good conversation with? And the, the, the other side of that coin that I always say is, again, this may not pay for a mansion. I mean, let, let's hope it does, right? But maybe it only pays half your rent. That's awesome. Let, let's, let's repeat it and try to get the other half paid. Exactly. For. Do maybe that again. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it pays for six months of food. Maybe it pays for PT for the year, right? Because some athletes pay for their own uh, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. They, some of them have to like pay their own, tra- some of their own travel expenses to like go compete at world championships mm-hmm. or world cups or whatever. And so I say like, let's, it, this isn't about big home runs. I mean, are we trying for a home run? Sure. But th- this is more about like bunts and, and, and base hits. Hey, right. Man, that scores Look, runs too, right? Yeah. Like we're just wins, looking like, to score runs and yeah. you know, we're in the exact same spot. Like we're both just trying to help these athletes make money, which I think is incredible. And yeah. you do a great job at it. Yeah. And so I say, look, like let's, let's, let's play the small game here, you know? Um, and, 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 and think about it in, in those terms. Um, and, and that's why I say, because I look, I, I know you don't have an agent. I know you can't afford it. I know you live at home. I know you live with mom, your boyfriend, whatever. Um, so, it, and, and that's why I'm, I'm like, look, I don't, I, I don't even want to do this for you because if I do mm-hmm. it for you, I have to charge you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, I don't even want to be an agency. Right. Um, that would go against everything that I've like just said. Like, I don't, I don't want to become the agency that you can't afford. Right. So I want to like crash course it. I want to teach it to you in the most simple way possible that I can shove you out the door a week or two later and you can just do it and do it and do Mm -hmm. it by yourself. Um, You know, and I'm always there to help and I'm always there to ask questions and get feedback. But I would say, look, like I I want to teach this to you the fastest, most simple way possible so you can run out the door and go do it all by yourself and not have to pay any bun to have your sponsorship conversations or pay anyone to like do this for you. You can just do it yourself, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I love it. So yeah. it's good stuff, Steve. I mean, it's just, it's so clear how you're clear again. It, it's obvious that you're trying to help. Like that's, as you just said, I don't want to be the agency that you then cannot pay. Cause that doesn't help anybody in that situation. But at the same time, I think it's awesome with, with your knowledge of all the athletes, you know, being, you know, helping out Team USA and working with a lot of the alumni, let's call it, working with the USA Cycling, but also, you know, you're, you're saying it in terms of a digital marketer. You're looking at it in terms of that ROI that we were talking about before, you know, in terms of making these brands happy, because yes, it, if the NBA lost all of their sponsorships, I promise you the NBA would not be around anymore. Like right. it's just a yeah. very like simple thing. Like sponsors right. make the sports world go round. And that's why, you know, obviously right now in, in the 
the the halt and the standstill that we have. It's a very uncertain time um, within the Olympic world, but I, like obviously within all sports world. So it's a very confusing time. And you know, those who can come out of this will most likely be stronger. And I think it's awesome again what you're doing and how you're doing it because these athletes now will have an opportunity to learn all of these things because as you said, they shouldn't know how to do that. They're athletes. They're world-class athletes and they should know how to do their sport and they should be focused on that. But many of them do, like social media is essentially their second job. So if there's a way that they can learn how to do it in a significantly better way, eventually the brands will come to them. Now again, maybe it's only a couple hundred bucks a month here and there. So if you get four four sponsors at $250 a month, that's another thousand dollars a month, yeah. right? Like, yep. and with some of them only making 10 to 12 grand, 15 grand a year anyway, yes. you're essentially doubling their income yeah. if they can learn from this. And again, that might not sound like a lot, but if anybody doubled their income, it would be significantly helpful in, in all facets. So again, I think what you're doing is really cool. And I understand how you're trying to do it. When is this going to be available for athletes to actually use? Uh, so my, I was thinking about this just last night and uh-huh. I am aiming to get this uh, launched the, where athletes can register to, to have to pretty much take my mm-hmm. curriculum to take my course, the workshop with, with some follow-ups um, like this week, like awesome. Th- this week is my goal. That's um, good stuff, man. Yeah. Everybody's essentially free, I guess is one way to yeah, say it. So yeah, we've got nothing better to do. So um, yeah, the, the goal is this week. Um, you know, cause something I tell my, my athletes all the time is like, look, your, your sponsors only care about two things. They don't care about anything less. They don't care about anything more. They care about eyeballs. That's like all they care about and preferably new eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. Like they want to get in front of new people. The other thing they care about what I talked, touched on earlier is their ROI. They want to know that they're getting their bang for their buck. And I, so I try to drill it in an athlete's head. Those are the two things you have to understand. You have to understand that, that math problem, that mm-hmm. equation, you have to understand it. That is, and I, you know, with cycling is such a volatile sponsorship landscape as, a, as is a lot of uh, um, sports these days. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I joke and I say, look, like those two reasons are the reasons that your sponsor is sponsoring your team. Mm-hmm. It's also the same two reasons that in two years, they're not going to sponsor your team. Uh-huh, 100%. Right? Like, it, it's the same reason. That's all they care about. So the idea is that, uh, like I said, yeah, I'm hoping to get launched this week um, to where people can can go to the website and sign up, and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll start to schedule uh, either one-on-one or group workshops uh, with them. And it'll be, yeah, like I said, like eminent. That uh, is fantastic. Here. It's uh, yeah. at, at stevebitterbranding.com. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to get the links yep. from you. I promise yeah, you that. So. And uh, once this, this, I'll make sure to put priority on this episode. So that way, once everything is live, this will then come out. So as of you guys are listening to it, it's not quite live yet. Or no, you're listening to it. It's live right now. Um, so make sure to go to the link in the show notes. Everything will be there. You can click on it. You know, there, I know there's a lot. I mean, I've, I've had a, a well over 100 Olympians on this show. I'm sure um, many of them still continue to listen and I'm sure many of them are friends and, and this, so I will make sure to push that through as well um, so that people will be able to just sign up immediately for this. Obviously it's going to be a, I don't think everyone's going to be able to go through it right away or, or what, I guess, what is the, how are you looking to launch this and how many people are you, I guess, going to have in this first round? And then when will you open it up to, I guess, a more general populace? Um, well, like when, when it's open, it's open. Oh, okay. Uh, and Perfect. so, the idea is that, and I've, I've, I've kind of beta tested this in the past. Okay. I've, I've run it through some actual live group settings with some of the cycling teams that I have connections to. 
Um, so I've, I've, I've taught this before. I know exactly what my message is. I know I have my PowerPoint. I have my, pres- <laughs> my presentation all, all laid I out. Love it. Um, so we're just going to see, um, preferably I'd probably like to do it in a one-on-one just because, mm-hmm. you know, talking to a rock climber is a little bit different than talking to a cyclist. It's different mm-hmm. than talking to a swimmer. It's different than talking to a volleyball player. Um, there's just different, there's just different nuances, uh, within those conversations. So ideally, um, I would love to just do a one-on-one and I, I plan for it to be, um, the format I run it through is there's the questionnaire, which I think I mentioned earlier. So there's a questionnaire. It's kind of a gauntlet of questions. It helps you kind of get yourself on paper. Um, I send that to you. I give you probably a week or so, at least a week to fill that out. And I say, look, don't like, don't rush on this. Like mm-hmm. this is something, this, these are questions you want to mull over. You want to chew on. You want to like really think about plus by the time they talk to family, friends, it, it usually ends up being about a week uh, at the earliest. Um, once we get your questionnaire filled out, we schedule a, a one-on-one consultation that ends up being anywhere from probably two to two and a half hours. Um, and that would be much like we're doing right now. It'd be mm-hmm. on the, either on the phone or on some sort of a video conference call. Zoom. Yep, they Zoom. can sponsor us if they would like. Yeah, you could do a that. lot of people are using Zoom these yeah. days. So hey, right, they yeah. want to get the word out. Um, and then so that, that first session ends up being about two, two and a half hours. Uh, and then from there, uh, there's um, follow-ups in the next mm-hmm. um in the next several weeks because we go through such an amount of information in that in that workshop in that two to three hour workshop that i mean it it, it's it usually takes an athlete a few Mm -hmm. weeks to organize that in their head and and decide okay how how do i want to take all this and what do i want to focus on right like what do i want to like start with and so i usually give them three to four weeks um to, to kind of like mull it over and to kind mm-hmm. of decide what's best for them. And that's kind of what we talk about. Like, don't, don't do something that's not in your nature. Exactly. Right. Authenticity, um, man. It's yeah. marketing, right? Like if you're not, if you're not a video person, then like, don't do a YouTube channel. You know, I would recommend it from my digital marketing perspective, but if it's, if it's just not, you're not comfortable, if you're not there yet, then don't, don't do that yet. Um, so we go over some of those things. So I usually give them three or four weeks to kind of like, mm-hmm kind of rehash and kind of go back over. And then from there, I, I follow up with them uh, probably once or twice over the next month or so. And just kind of make sure that they're sticking to the plan, sticking to the schedule, mm-hmm. um, that they're, they're you know, because it, it's, it's a commitment. I try to really get them to, to understand that this is a commitment. You know, it's an everyday, um, you know, I, I explain, look, any digital marketing department, any marketing department, whether it's a super small company or whether it's a Fortune 500 company, they all run off of scheduling, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that like no person in their marketing department wakes up on a Thursday and says, Oh, like, what should we post today? <laughs> like that was decided like three weeks ago. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, that was decided like last Thursday in the planning meeting. Like no, unless it's like an emergency breaking mm-hmm. type, like no post is just thought of. In the it's moment. not a whim. Exactly. You know? And you know, I, I, you know, for me to post on this, the USA Cycling's, um, it, you know, social account, not only was it planned, but once it was planned, I mean, it would take, like, people don't understand. A simple tweet or a simple Instagram post, sometimes it takes like an hour or mm-hmm. an hour and a half or two hours. Um, it's not just, oh, here's a photo, here's my text, hit send. No, dude, like, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. When you're working a corporate social media account, there's a lot that goes into it. And so, 
Um, so I, I try to provide and, and come up with a scheduling plan, help them understand that if you want to do this right, you have to schedule your stuff. And even though some of it might be on the fly, like, but at least you know, next Wednesday at four o'clock, I'm doing an Instagram live video, right? So that way you know it's there and you can start to talk about it. You can start to promote it. Um, you can start to kind of socialize that idea instead of just waking up Wednesday morning and saying, hey, I'm gonna do an Instagram live later today. And then like no one really knows about it, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I really try to get them to understand the power of scheduling. Um, and that, that really is the core. That's the foundation of how you, you're able to grow uh, your, your social influence. You, that's how you're able to gain those eyeballs that your sponsors want, mm -hmm. right? Because um, they, 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 they want and they need to get in front of new audiences and that's what you're able to provide to them. Um, 100%. So yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a phased process questionnaire, the workshop, and then there's some follow up sessions. Well, I love it, and hopefully you're going to help all these athletes, and they're going to make a lot more money. And I think it's fantastic. So Steve, I don't I, I want to keep talking to you, but if I feel like I keep talking to you, you're just going to give us all the information, and then none of these athletes will have to pay for it. But I think you did an incredible job. Sincerely, one more time, Steve Bitter is an athlete branding and he's a athlete branding consultant as well as a freelance digital marketer. Everything will be in the show notes, all of his socials. Um, the link to the uh, course will be, course, is that what we're calling it, right? Yep, yep, the course. course yep, the link yep. to the course will be live once this is. So when you're listening to it now, I highly suggest go click on that link. Sign up, talk to Steve. He's a pretty nice guy, as you just heard in this hour and change interview, I guess we did, you know, interview conversation. And I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff that can be learned especially on the digital marketing side that so many athletes will be able to take advantage of. I think it's incredible. So Steve, really, really appreciate your time today, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening with this to this episode with Steve Bitter. As I said, he was so much fun, really, really insightful, very informative, and I'm so grateful for what he's doing and how he's doing it. I think it is absolutely fantastic. So make sure to check out all the links. The live link is in the show notes. I think it'll be great in case you're just wondering or if you're curious, if you're an athlete out there that wants to learn more and how to do it, make sure to check it out. Steve's such an awesome dude, as you could you could tell, and I think he is very, very capable of helping, especially looking from that digital marketing background of his. Make sure to follow us as well at ourathletes.us on Instagram at our athletes usa on twitter and please also give us a five-star review on itunes and apple Podcasts. that would be super super helpful so thank you all so much and i hope you make it a wonderful day